This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Joining me today is Arpad Sakal, author of the article, Turbulence Ahead, What the Great Resignation Means for the Aviation Industry. I'm excited to talk to Arpad about the article and discuss the future of hiring in the aviation industry. Arpad is a principal consultant at Cormus Partners with experience delivering senior-level searches for clients that include the FTSE 100, Fortune 500, DAX 300 companies, as well as private equity firms and their portfolio companies. He has a broad industrial background with a special focus on C-suite and senior management assignments within infrastructure, transportation, and energy. And we're so excited to have our pod on today. But before we begin, real quickly, if you have questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, if you're looking for that scholarships guide, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. And another thing that's neat is a lot of our sponsors and people that pay it forward will give you a free scholarships guide by going to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash free. Don't miss out on $120 million of scholarships that's in the guide. Again, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash free. And if you have any questions in this conversation that we're about to have, for our pod, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Well, our pod, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have you on again. Hi, Carl. Thank you for the opportunity and great to be um, talking to you again after such a long break. I think uh, it was a couple of years ago that we uh, spoke last. Yep. It absolutely was. If uh, if you want to listen to those episodes, by the way, they're in the show notes. It was episode 277, uh, and it actually talks about how to best prepare for a career in aerospace and aviation following a crisis. And also back in 257, uh, we discussed, uh, is gender still holding back women in the aviation industry? Very good interviews. I highly recommend people go back and listen to that. But today we're talking about actually something really interesting uh, that's, that's broad, not just in this industry, but uh, I love the, the title of the article, Turbulence Ahead, What the Great Resignation Means for the Aviation Industry. So give us a little bit of uh, color as to what this, this, this talent uh, landscape looks like right now in the aviation industry. So Carl, what happened over the past um, two and a half, nearly three years is that uh, um, a movement called the Great Resignation started back in um, 2021 March. I think it was um, it was the U.S. when it's when it really started. Um, what we've seen is quite a significant shift of power from the employer to the to the people um, that they are looking to hire or the uh, prospective employee. Um, this trend uh, had quite a significant impact on the um, on the aviation industry, and and um, uh, we are seeing the consequences um, of those um, negative trends all around the world, basically here in in, in Europe, uh, but also in North America. Um, you're seeing what's happening at the airports. You're seeing what's happening with uh, with delays, denied boardings, cancellations, things like that. I mean, it's 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 a mess, really, and and it's not only labor uh, or the the um, um, people on the ground. But uh, what we are seeing that is that um, uh, a lot of mid-career trans, uh, transitions took place uh, over the past um, um, two, three years. What that means is that people with 10, 15, 20 years of experience um, who have been working in the industry, they've realized that they've got options, basically, whether they've been working as a... 
um, a senior executive or mid-level executive, uh, whether they were technical people, operational people um, in, in management, they've realized that the skill set that they've gained in the, in the, in the industry are uh, transferable into other related sectors. What do I mean by that? It's the, um, it's the logistics space, it's the shipping space, the maritime um, industry, um, but also um, distribution, cargo. I mean, it's, it's um, uh, we've, we've really seen a, um, an exodus, uh, so to say, at all levels. Um, it's, I, I would like to really emphasize that it's not only the airport workers, not only the ground handlers or the mechanics, but quite senior people have uh, left the industry. You, you might have seen, obviously, um, um, the, uh, in the pilot space, it's the most experienced guys and girls who have left, those who didn't want to put up with another uh, downturn, the 50, 55 plus uh, sort of generation, the captains, the senior training captains. And that's where the real shortage um, is. With that said, you know, to add to that, um, you know, having done a lot of coaching with some people that are in those other management positions and transferring to other jobs within the industry, I have to say um, there are times when I am helping people move out of this industry. A good example is uh, just recently helping someone move out of the aviation industry in a, in a revenue management type position into the energy sector. Like you said, these are transferable skills. And, and even at pilots moving and, and flight attendants and customer service-oriented type people moving into another industry even because they see something that's actually better for their life. And, and it has changed the way we look at these jobs, that's for sure. Uh, so just to add to a little color to that. So that actually affects us as somebody who's hiring, you know, in that I'm helping people that, that are doing hiring, both in Europe and also in the U.S. And, and so... We, as people that are looking to hire talent, we need to do some a few things differently during this process. Um, so, what what do we need to do different? Let's let's I guess begin with you know the hiring process. You know, when do we start that whole hiring process? What uh, we've been witnessing uh, with clients uh, who are really successful at uh, retaining um, uh, talent is that this whole retention. Um, strategies start with the hiring process. They really spend a lot of time before they launch a search to get all the various stakeholders in agreement. Um, you know, uh, savvy candidates, especially at the senior end of the market, they can really smell misalignment um, um, from a from a really long distance, and uh, it really it pays uh, for a hiring organization to create a really compelling um, uh, narrative. Um, uh, regarding the opportunity, um, really understanding what uh, what the what the strategy is, what the compensation package is, really early on in the process, because um, this is how an organization cr- can create a lot of goodwill uh, with the um, uh, with the candidate. What we also observe is that uh, the most successful organizations, whether it's in aviation or outside of the um, the sector, are the ones who are really investing a lot of time in um, uh, creating an impactful story outlining the opportunity in great detail.
detail, um, um, having a really firm understanding of the benefits uh, for the candidates. And really, they go to market with a very solid proposition, which is attractive, which is transparent, and which builds trust and helps reduce the risk of essentially miscommunicating information. I think it's just really important for organizations to bear in mind that the that this uh, retention effort really starts with the with the very first conversation in the in the hiring or in the recruitment uh, uh, process, with uh, irrespective of the seniority of the individual that the that is being hired. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's incredibly important that uh, it does start very early. But we also, I think, at times forget. Not only do we need to start that process early and, and be more impactful, we also need to look at our our people, our talent pool, like you said, uh, differently than we have in the past. For this, we really need to understand why our workers or, or um, professionals are leaving the industry. I think it's it's uh, some of the things that we are hearing constantly, again, um, from mid-level to, to, uh, to senior levels. Uh, salary levels um, really <laughs> that's that's number one of course the perks the benefit uh, package isn't as competitive as in some of the other sectors um, career uh, advancement uh, tends to be quite limited as well especially with with uh, um, uh, handling firms like the uh, um, in the cargo space in the in the ground handling space um, people don't really have a visibility as to how they can get from the um, um, from a, an entry-level role into the office, uh, um, lack of recognition, uh, need for a better work-life balance, uh, unhappiness with management, um, dissatisfaction with a company culture. Um, I think those are the those are the ones that we are uh, really um, seeing, and 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 I think um, this leads me to this. The other point is really. Um, <laughs> Organizations should really just rethink the ideal candidate profile and really just make sure that the the talent pool is as broad as possible and that, that you're not limiting yourself to only like aviation has traditionally been a very inward-looking industry when it comes to talent. If you didn't have AV, like um, airline experience or airport experience, then people didn't want to talk to you because how, how would you know um, the industry or how would you understand? I think that's that doesn't work in this day and age. Um, it's, it's really important that you... Um, uh, consider non-traditional candidates uh, who are currently not on your radar. Um, um, consider boomerang employees who basically who are who left the business but are trying to return now. Um, uh, consider people who are only interested in part-time roles. Consider people who are uh, interested in you in, as a consultant, contract working, uh, interim management. I think those are the things that you really need to just um, uh, uh, bear in mind that people's uh, way of thinking with regards to work have changed quite radically. And I think um, if you want to be competitive and if you want to compete with an Amazon, if you want to compete with a um, with a, um, a shipping firm, a maritime firm, I mean, you really need to just show that you are uh, keeping up with the times and you are really addressing those um, uh, 
uh, issues that people are identifying as a cause for leaving an organization. That's why I started with the cause, uh, what causes people to leave, because I think you really need to study that uh, as, a, as a hiring organization these days. I love how you talk about expanding that talent pool. Something I saw an example is, is uh, one organization hiring in a specific region, so region of uh, candidates, meaning uh, they were looking at former police officers and uh, EMTs and people that were in that field to come work in the travel industry as, as say, flight attendants, managers, because they have those skills that are transferable. And they've actually, which is neat, because that's something that we don't look at. What you just said, you know, we look inside, we're inward looking. Instead, we're looking outside that industry now and, and focusing on those skills that are, are transferable to this industry, and we're looking at a different pool. Uh, and I think that's true of some other industries also, not just uh, you know aviation. Uh, but you're right. I think it's a great, great point made there. Um, but when we're looking for those candidates, do one of the things that I think we do is outreach, and that outreach has to start early. Uh, I, I hope you agree with that. I do, I do, and and especially if you would like to uh, to get the industry numbers, or the the uh, diversity and inclusion uh, metrics um, up. I think uh, school outreach, um, even even uh, um, primary school um, outreach, I think it's it's really important because that's how you engage them. I think um, air shows, um, various uh, aviation events, I think they're uh, they play a critical role. I've just been to Farnborough, the last day of the show, the fifth day. Uh, was called uh, Pioneers of Tomorrow, which was dedicated um, to engaging the next generation of talent. And I think it was really an an unbelievable opportunity for uh, younger people to come around and and really just see what the industry is about. Check out the latest um, uh, military aircraft, check out the latest commercial aircraft, uh, uh, general aviation aircraft. So I think those events are uh, critical. And I think um, the earlier you start the process of engaging them and getting them excited. The one thing I would say, I do quite a lot of um, speaking at uh, Cranfield University, but also from time to time with Embry-Riddle in the States and also in Singapore. Even those students who are studying aeronautical engineering or an MSc in aviation or an MBA, which focuses on the aviation industry, um, they sometimes say, well, the aviation industry is one of the industries that I'm considering, but it's by no means the only one. I'm considering energy, the power, the renewable space. I mean, things that, I think, uh, Carl, what I'm seeing is that aviation is having to compete with industries, with sectors that it didn't previously consider as one of their competitors. And I think that's one of the major uh, shifts, I think, that uh, a lot of, um, hiring organizations will um, um, have to face really and come up with a with a solution. I, I have to agree with you on that one because uh, going back to that whole non traditional candidate, uh, we forget about the people that are are mid career looking for career 2.0. And when we look at career 2.0, sometimes we forget that these people are outside this industry, but they're also looking outside this industry. Not only are they outside looking in, but they're they're also looking at other opportunities. And that is something that. I have lots of conversations with them. And, and here's something else I want to make that point. When you say talking about starting early, uh, we also have to 
to include everybody, not just the, the young folks, which is great, the Pioneers Aviation, I'm not, I'm not downplaying, I think that's wonderful, but what I'm saying is we have to also look towards those that are have in their 30s and 40s that still have a whole career ahead of them. How is it that we go out and include them in this industry? And and then, and they're thinking, gosh, you know, I, I can't be included in this industry because I'm too old to get started, and that's not true. We, we have to be inclusive of all ages also, which I think is quite important. Exactly. No, that's a really good one because we tend to focus on the on the next generation, but I think it's basically it's it's very important to get the those who left the industry. I think that's a one group, and those who never really considered the industry, that's another group basically. And I think the way you go about it, um, I think it's uh, slightly different. Yeah, and to be fully transparent, you know, that's actually how we we do most make most of our money in this business is we do uh, career coaching, my, primarily for the non traditional student or non-traditional candidate, excuse me, uh, and that is somebody that actually is in the in the mid-life career change. Uh, there are lots of people looking at the younger folks too. So the, the point I'm trying to make is look through the whole spectrum. You know, don't, don't just focus on one. But I, I really think getting there early and getting this in their head is so important. Going back to that point of, you know, seeing the, the most incredible thing that I saw was a, a young lady who said to me, I never thought I could do this for a living because this isn't something that women can do in my mind. And she saw somebody who was at, in that industry, looked just like her, and said, I can do this. I know I can do this because she can. And I, I love those examples. And, and that's something we need to do to is promote this through example and through people you know out there promoting it through those people that look like just all these other people in the industry. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, so anyway, uh, going on, uh, this is something that I, I think we do as an industry, and we're talking aviation, but in general is a lot of times we say, well, again, we'll say things like that, like you're too old or you're too this or you're too that. And we also wind up uh, in our selection process kind of booting them out of the process or, or deselecting them, I guess, or eliminating them. Uh, uh, so what have you found as far as that's concerned? So from from our experience, it's 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 so easy to for a client to say that yeah, um, let's reject this candidate because of so and so because of you know um, age because of lack of relevant experience or doesn't have the twenty years or twenty five years plus experience that we've been looking for or lacks the um, substantial PNL responsibility whatever it is um, uh, I think. If you come across really a good, can a solid candidate who, for whatever reason, is not a ten out of ten, but maybe a nine or maybe even an eight out of ten, um, and you are quite not quite sure whether they are going to be the solution to all of your challenges and issues that you are facing, um, I think it's really important that you keep them engaged until you really um, have had the ch the chance to um, uh, interview all the other candidates. Um, who you thought are 10 out of 10s, but then uh, having interviewed them, you realize that they are also like 9 or 8 or even 7 out of 10. Because um, from experience, it's really painful to run back to a candidate um, and, 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 and basically after a full process, um, only to really just realize that um, um, 
one of your earlier candidates or top performers within the organization uh, could have been uh, indeed the best solution out there after all. And I think it's basically you only have one chance, one opportunity with with candidates. That's the tr- that's the um, the trouble with our industry, um, and um, um, your employer brand uh, gets damaged quite significantly if you really if you if you uh, disregard someone at the early stages and then you go back to them oh sorry um, we really think that you are the right one so uh, just really uh, make sure that you you keep them in the process and take them seriously throughout because you never know uh, when uh, you will need them and you know uh, this is what this is how the landscape changed that the employees are now uh, hot commodity and um, uh, the the the, uh, um, the tables have the table have turned they, they sure have and with that said um, you know, we're talking about the, you know, bringing people on, onboarding, that type of thing, and, and not eliminating people. But now we have a candidate, say, and in this in general, how do we retain them? How is it that we look towards the future of that candidate as an employee at the company or as a partner, basically, at this company? How do we keep them? How do we retain them in the right, right from the beginning? Do we start right away and say, hey, you know, this is you know, this is the best place to work, and why? And this is what we're going to do for you. Step number one is um, doing the the hiring process uh, right, and and really just creating a good, solid first impression in the um, in the head of the the candidate. Um, and also, once the hiring took place. Again, it's the onboarding uh, stage that really plays an important role. I think this is what we are seeing in other industries as well. Really, the smart organizations have a very solid, reliable, and effective um, uh, onboarding um, uh, process uh, in place that makes sure that basically they are... uh, they have their training in, uh, included in there. They have uh, regular feedback sessions, check-in sessions included there. Uh, they provide practical hands-on support to the new hire. Um, um, channels of communications are open between the, the individual and the and senior management. And, and really, uh, this is an uh, onboarding uh, the whole process can reduce attrition quite significantly. That's what we are seeing and, and helps a new team member really understand the organization's culture, the subtleties, the rules, the unwritten rules, the processes, and really um, uh, build trust and credibility because that's what you are. Uh, this is why people leave because it's basically that trust, the credibility between the, 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 the employee and the employer is broken. And it's very often... Uh, the unhappiness with management or the direct uh, manager that leads uh, to someone to consider things uh, outside of the um, um, the organization basically that's the uh, it's not always the more compelling opportunity it's basically what's wrong with the organization that I'm working at that's that's the uh, the driver so would how about pay I mean how would you uh you know, would that be a major driver or do you find that there's uh, more than just compensation to look at? Base pay is is important and it will always be. I think that's basically one of the most important aspects of a compensation package, if not the most important one. But perks uh, and benefits are playing a very important uh, part here. And I think what I'm seeing with aviation organizations is that they've got quite a bit of 
catching up to do uh, with others, especially in the uh, in the tech space, especially when it comes to um, even the um, the distribution logistics um, uh, players out there. Um, I think what you see with with uh, with airports, airlines, some of the more traditional employers, um, card is that they still have this uh, traditional one size fits all mentality that all employees um, uh, will benefit from the same schemes, um, same sort of um, um, uh, perks. Um, no, that's not the case. I think you, it's critical that you sit down with a new hire, understand their family situation, understand what's important for them, and really tailor-make it. I mean, uh, parking, transportation, meal options might be relevant for one person, but it might be wholly relevant for the other person because they live next door or because they use the uh, uh, the bicycle to get to work or... or um, they pack lunch. Maybe they need uh, um, uh, care with with their kids or elderly parents. Or I mean, you really need to think outside of the box these days, because others um, do. Basically, other um, uh, sectors, employers um, do. So, um, just make sure that you are tailor making uh, whatever benefits perks you provide to uh, with the employees. So you're not looking quite as linear at the employee more holistically at each individually, you know, in, in individual. And I think that's really important. I, and that's what you bring up a great point there because uh, I'll get one example. People like in the aviation industry, well, you get free travel uh, for life. And that may, and that sounds like a wonderful benefit, but what if someone doesn't like travel? They just love the aviation industry. So now we have to tailor that in many other ways towards that employee. That's just one example. So you're right. A, a one size fits all does not work anymore. Another one I would say, um, uh, before I forget it, it's the, um, the issue, the reason why you're seeing what's happening here in Europe, especially on the ground operation side of things, uh, baggage handling, um, um, uh, ground crews um, uh, leaving um, left, right and center, is because all these ground services have been outsourced, of course, over the years. And as a, as a Swiss sport employee, as a Menzies aviation employee, uh, you don't have the same perks as you had when you were working for an airline. You are no longer an airline employee and you can't even, uh, you don't even have the bragging rights to say that I work for British Airways or American Airlines or because you're not. You're working for a third party and you are basically getting paid really low salaries not not really receiving any perks basically in terms of um, traveling better like um, uh, flight benefits and and this is why the the sector has an int- has an issue um, um, luring back those who have left because they know that if if covid 2.0 happens then they're going to be in the exact same situation as they were a couple of years ago basically you know, you make a you bring a great point there. Uh, you know, having worked in the automotive industry as a consultant, uh, I worked for a German company, and they would actually give to their business partners, consultants, whatever, a lot of the same perks they gave to the employees, which enabled those people to actually stay longer. We don't. They didn't think of those as outsiders. They thought of them as business partners, and that's a great point. Is if we offer some of those perks to those people that are now uh, quote unquote subcontracting, etc. 
it might be a better way to retain that talent because the talent, again, we have to look at talent as a whole industry and that affects our business where, like you said, MNZs and all these, these contractors may not get those similar, same perks, but maybe they should be offered those perks. It's a great point, something to think about. Um, but the, and so, again, it's not just pay. It's also you know, other benefits, et cetera. So when I'm interviewing somebody from an airline's perspective, when, you know, we sometimes put the cart before the horse, as they say, we sometimes don't figure out what's going to make them stay. Um, and I've actually seen a change in this a little bit in that we find, we ask those people, what, what would it take to make you stay at our company? Uh, so I think you talk about this in your article that you start doing conducting stay interviews, uh, and it's not just saying, "Hey, are you going to stay here? Or are you going to go on in another twelve months?" That's the wrong question, right? So how do how do we how do we do that? How do we change the way that we interview so that they will stay? Yeah, I think the first stay interview is the is the actual job interview, really just making sure that you understand what the drivers of the individual are, what are what keeps them up at night, what's the what uh, what's get, what gets them up in the morning. I mean, it's basically that's one thing. But I think it's waiting until the exit interview to ask your staff what they liked or disliked about their position, about their boss, about the the organization as a whole. I think that doesn't work any longer. I think it's basically it really needs to be an ongoing um, dialogue between the employee and the employer. Um, stay interviews are a really good opportunity to, to make sure that you um, to, uh, measure the pulse of the organization through the employees, asking them what matters to them most, what are the things that they are satisfied with, what, what, where are the things that you are you can make any improvements, um, um, uh, changes based on their feedback so that it is less likely that they are going to leave as a result. So the problem with exit interviews, um, Carl, is that they only happen once um, basically the the, uh, the individual um, uh, handed in their resignation, once basically the there's no more um, uh, relationship there uh, because they're gone and you can't do anything about it. Um, the stay interview enables you to really um, um, uh, give them a chance to uh, voice their concerns. Um, and if, they, if it's growth, if it's long-term career progression um, is, that they're craving, then you can address these on time. And, 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 and listening, like with anything, <laughs> I think it's basically it's just it pays because you can anticipate and you can address them, those issues, real time, not when the trust and your credibility and everything is gone. So those stay interviews, they start in the beginning uh, and they continue on throughout the career of an individual. One feedback I've heard from people and, and somewhat pushback from people about these quote-unquote stay interviews is that they want it to be safe. In other words, if you are going to give feedback to a company, uh, to your employer, you may not feel safe doing that and that you're, you're worried you may get fired for what you say, even though it's the truth. So, so that actually, the implementation uh, might be difficult. The other thing is that, you know, that people put out sur surveys, that is not a stay interview. Uh, you know, it's a very passive. It has to be active. So, so maybe you could give a little more granularity to that, to the actual stay interview. How would you make it safe and how would you make it so that uh, you, you're not just doing a survey? Whether it's safe or not, it really depends on the, um, on the individuals who are involved and what your um, relationship with your manager looks like of course but i think in a healthy sort of uh organization um 
I think it should be really uh, honesty should be encouraged, and I think it's um, it's really important that you um, you can you have a space to to um, to voice your concerns and to really be uh, upfront and honest about these things both ways. By the way, as as a manager, you can really just um, uh, this is your opportunity to say what you like, what you dislike about the way um, um, your employee is behaving, acting, working. But the other way around as well. So it, it, this is what I mean by this two-way communication. Very transparent, very honest. But then, of course, it requires that the relationship is still intact. And, and, and it's not an exit interview when when you vent all your frustration and, and, and uh, dissatisfaction with the with your employer. But it's, it's a constructive um, um, dialogue, basically. And I think it's, it's, you should really say it at the very beginning that it, uh, whatever you say will not have any consequences, basically, because this is why we are having this. Otherwise, it basically doesn't make sense because the moment you're not honest, you're not uh, um, um, open, um, these interviews are a waste of time. Absolutely. You know, and uh, interestingly, uh, going back to the same company I worked in Germany uh, for that was a German company, they did the same thing. Uh, they would circle back and say, how, how is it we, we could actually do better for you as the employee? It's like, wow. That's a, that's a nice, that's a good question. Uh, so that's just one example of that, but it goes deeper than that in the stay interview. Uh, so I would love to see more of these, the the you know the the stay interviews that are in be, in between the employment, not just the first one and the last exit interview, but a continual process. Uh, another part I think that's really important, and it's a moniker that we use often, and I think is dismissed by most because we don't understand it, and it, it's almost become somewhat of a selling point without people understanding it as DEI, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and uh, belonging. I think that's important too, but we don't understand it, and sometimes I think we use it sometimes as window dressing, and but we have to internalize it and actually become an organization that actually prioritizes this diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think you bring that up in the article, too, and I think that's a great, great point. Um, and maybe if you could, we could define that first, what that, is, what that means, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I think we would do better of having it being accepted by more. I think it's um, what what we've been observing is that organizations who really are properly diverse, but it's not only gender, not only um, um, age, but also like race, ethnic uh, diversity. I mean, um, there are so many facets to um, to diversity. They um, um, they have a better chance of retaining um, um, uh, individuals um, in their organization. I think uh, those who struggle. Um, to attract talent are the ones who are basically not promoting inclusion and belonging um, actively, basically. And I would really highlight belonging, um, Carl. And the reason why I would highlight that one in particular is because this is one of those really top reasons why individuals are considering a move um, from whatever organization that they are trying to get out of. Uh, because with all this homeworking, with all this flexibility that we are seeing at the moment, this creates a lot of very lonely, isolated people in the workplace, by the way, especially those uh, white-collar people who can um, afford to uh, to work from home, can afford to work remotely uh, because of their 
their, their job is a little bit less uh, operational than someone at the airport or at the airline. This lack of belonging, lack of um, uh, alignment with the with the values of the organization, the culture of the organization, not really having any kind of workplace relationships. I think those are the issues that really um, organizations need to address because they play a very, very important uh, role. As much as individuals crave uh, all this flexibility and um, can I work from home like two or three times a week? Yes, you can. But I think it's really important that the belonging aspect uh, is addressed basically and how do you address that having the dialogue having the conversations making sure that you do meet in person I personally don't think that especially as an early career professional you can properly start your career from the kitchen table I think you really need to be uh, where the action is and that's not in your spare bedroom that's my sort of uh, take on this I think uh, belonging is both physical and, and psychological um, because Becoming an advocate of your brand uh, is important. Uh, Be an ambassador of the company that you work for, the brand that you work for. I think that's really important. And uh, a lot of times we can't do that just through what we're doing here from a distance. I mean, you're in, uh, you said you're in Budapest today, and I'm in Florida in the U.S. Um, we actually have this bond because we've talked for years now. Um, but, I mean, it would be wonderful if we could get together and have dinner together, right? And that's that belonging, you know, breaking bread with somebody. I think that's incredibly important uh, as from an employer standpoint. And I think the people that do that, they get out and make people feel that they belong through just not just psychologically and, and over and speaking words, but also physically. I think that's incredibly important. It's it's tough to do, though. I mean, it, it's not easy, uh, but it's worth the effort. Definitely, definitely. But uh, what I would say, because, you know, we, we talked about this in a previous episode, the um, um, women in aviation, women in aviation leadership roles. If it remains an HR topic or an HR initiative, um, Carl, the um, DNI initiatives, equity, inclusion, belonging, and all that, nothing will ever change, nothing will ever happen, simply because HR, just like finance, legal, marketing, these are uh, support functions. And if, if you don't make it part of the strategy, and just as important as the profit and loss account, um, and, and it, it doesn't become a CEO topic or a boardroom topic and really something that is actually paid attention to, not much progress will be made. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. It has to be uh, part, uh, be interwoven into the fabric of the organization and not just be a, a, a hanging piece on the side. And that starts from the top. You know, and then it becomes woven into that fabric of that organization. I think that's very, very important. Uh, so, really, I think that uh, moving forward, though, um, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, uh, like you said, I think that's very important. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, what? Where do we go from here? I mean, these are some awesome points you've made. And by the way, you'll be able to find that uh, article. We we'll have a link to it. it hasn't uh, as of the the publishing of this uh, podcast, you should be able to find that online. Uh, but we will have a link to that. Where do we go now? I mean, uh, you know what? You know, to sum up. How do we move forward? How do we get? How do we get out of this mess? Is what some people say, but but uh, in a more positive light, how do we make this industry more attractive to people? And how do we do a better job of attracting and retaining people? I think it's um, it's about taking action, um, Carl. I think it's it's all well and good to um, to have these points and to discuss these, but I think it's basically until. Um, 
the stakeholders within the industry are really properly practicing what they what um, um, they preach. I think it's 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 uh, not much will happen. I think it's a structural shift by the way that we are seeing. I think it's basically people are saying that oh, um, it will be better in the autumn. It will be better in the um, in the winter. No, I don't think it will be. I think it's basically uh, this is a structural shift that the industry is facing when it comes to labor shortages. When it comes to uh, shortages even at the uh, at the senior levels, um, and I think a very different approach again being open-minded about the the, the the people that you are uh, uh, trying to appeal to, uh, looking outside of the industry as well, being able to, like, uh, uh, accepting that people from outside of the industry, as you mentioned, um, automotive, the automotive sector, the um, power generation, utilities, um, um, transmission space might be adding more value than you can imagine, basically, at this stage. So, again, um, opening up the candidate pool um, and and really uh, having the humility to learn from other industries that are doing it better. I mean, aviation, we tend to think, especially uh, you and I who are in it, uh, we tend to think that um, this is really the leading industry in every single sense, not from a uh, techno- not only from a technological point of view, but also um, from every point of view. But it's not. And especially not when it comes to um, uh, talent-related issues, employee retention issues, attraction issues. I think there are many other industries out there who are doing an, an, a much better uh, job. And I think it's observing them, learning from them, and then putting this into uh, all into action, basically, and, and really just um, uh, learning by doing. I think that's the answer to the um, to the challenges. And addressing the reputational issues that the industry has. Uh, sustainability is a big buzzword, Carl, but uh, what does that really mean? Um, how can you really use that to the advantage of the industry? How can you use uh, sustainability uh, for talent and uh, attraction and retention purposes, basically? I think those are the things that... Uh, um, um, HR people, CEOs, hiring managers in the sector will need to really uh, think about and address. Arpa, this has been great having you here. And I, I can't agree more with uh, what you've said in this article. I think it's uh, it's an excellent article to read. They'll be able to find it online. Where can we find you, by the way? Um, LinkedIn is probably the best um, um, the best place. It's um, Arpad, um, S for Sugar, Z for Zulu. Uh, a for Alpha, K for Kalo, A for Alpha, and L for Lima, Sakal. Um, and if you put that into LinkedIn, then um, I'm quite active there. So um, uh, if you would like to follow me or contact uh, me, then uh, uh, please do so. would be happy to answer any questions, concerns, um, um, if I can. Uh, Cormis Partners, the firm I'm with, um, would be another uh, good way to um, to get in touch. It's um, um, C-O-R-M-I-S, um, Partners, all in one word, dot com. Uh, we're based in London, but uh, we do a lot of uh, work in the States, but also in the Americas, region, Latin America, and also in other geographies as well. Arpad, it's always a pleasure having you on. Of course, we're talking to Arpad Sakal, who's uh, the author of A Turbulence Ahead, What the Great Resignation Means for the Aviation Industry. A terrific article. It's a lot packed into a small space. I would challenge all those that are in the uh, the people department, HR department, to, to reach out and read this, but everybody to read this, not just those folks that are involved in that. Everybody would learn something from this. And I love what you're doing, uh, helping promote uh, all people 
from all different backgrounds in this aviation industry and uh, this industry that we love. Uh, and, uh, and it is becoming more and more inclusive, which I think is, is absolutely awesome. Arpad, thanks again. Thank you for the opportunity, uh, Carl. Thank you. You know, if you're listening to this right now and you're about to, to finish this podcast, I would challenge you to go out and read his article to learn something about how to choose a company. If you're looking to for further employment, you know, what would you look for in that business, in that company to become part of that brand? But also, if you're looking to move forward in your career, if you're somebody who's, who's working with people in the HR department, you'll learn something from this. But to do that, we have to humble ourselves. And we have to say to ourselves, what is it that we can learn? We've been doing the same thing for many years. What can we learn from maybe reading this article and doing some more research? Sometimes that's hard for us to do. But I'm going to challenge you to do this. I always say that you should do something today to move forward in your career and your life. What I want you to do today for me is to think about what it is you can do better to that you can be more more inclusive so that you can be actually somebody that's helping promote other people of other different backgrounds into this aviation community that we love. How do we bring more and more people in? One of the ways is to start is just reading this article. But I really want you to do that for me. Take that one step today to move forward in your career and in your life. We'll, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research.